all in your mind. All in your mind. All in your mind. All in your mind. Yes, it's true. You're listening to All In Your Mind, where we talk about all things graphic audio and the continuously playing movie in your mind. I'm Rick Rowan, and I'm happy to be joined in voice and spirit, if not in studio, by the talented creators of Alt Comics' Wasted Space. I'm talking about noted author Michael Morisi and talented artist Hayden Sherman. Gentlemen, greetings, Michael. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> and greetings to, uh, I'm doing okay. How are you doing, Hayden? Ah, doing pretty good. How about you? All right, you guys answered that. Yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> <laughs> it's always awkward at the beginning. So you guys just sit back and relax while I, while I uh, laud you with some quick bios here. Uh, Michael Morisi is a best-selling comics author and novelist whose debut novel, Black Star Renegades, a space adventure in the spirit of Star Wars, was dubbed one of the best sci-fi novels of the year by the Chicago Review of Books and The Verge. The eagerly awaited sequel, We Are Mayhem, was released in April this year to even more acclaim. And Michael also published this year a spy novel called The Throwaway, which is garnering terrific reviews. In comics, Michael's the creator of numerous original series and has written and collaborated on multiple established properties. His sci-fi trilogy, Roche Limit, for Image Comics, was called the sci-fi comic you need to read by Nerdist and io9, and Paste Magazine called it one of the 50 best sci-fi comics of all time. He's currently writing the acclaimed sci-fi series, Wasted Space, for Vault Comics. Michael's other original comic series include Burning Fields, Curse, Hoax Hunters, and Reincarnate. He's also written for multiple long-established properties, including Star Wars, Archie, Batman, Nightwing, Superman, Wonder Woman, Conan the Barbarian, Battlestar Galactica, Suicide Squad, The Shadow, and Hack Slash. Did that all that sound pretty accurate, Michael? Uh, yeah. That's, me. <laughs> <laughs> that's you. Now, Hayden's an award-winning comic artist whose work includes The Few, which he co-created with Sean Lewis, John Carter, The End, Cold War, and of course, Wasted Space. Uh, he also is currently working on uh, a project called Thumbs, as well as Mary Shelley, Monster Hunter. Uh, he's a lover of science fiction and fantasy, who, who has had the joy of illustrating for companies such as Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, Dynamite, Aftershock, Vault, and Boom Studios. Hayden was already having his work published while he was still attending Rhode Island School of Design. I, I presume, Hayden, you have graduated from that. Yep, two years out now. <laughs> Excellent. So let's get to talking here. Let's um, let's uh, let's start right out with uh, talking about wasted space. Uh, Michael, this is for you. you I've read uh, that you said that uh, the idea for wasted space came from cold medicine and anger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> would you like to elaborate on that? Uh, uh sure. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so I guess the story is. Um, I was kind of percolating on an idea, uh, not anything specific, but the idea was that like I wanted to, um, I wanted to create a comic that um, comics wasn't really making right now or wasn't making anymore. You know, kind of more of a brash, in your face, you know, kind of grab you by the lapels kind of comic that that I grew up reading and, and are highly uh, inspiring to me, like Preacher, 
uh, DMZ, Hundred Bullets, uh, stuff like that. Basically, the Virgo of the uh, '90s and early aughts. Uh, and comics just doesn't really make that kind of stuff. I feel hmm. like comics has gotten uh, too tame for its own good. Yeah. Um, and um, so yeah, so I kind of had this mission in mind to say to not do that. So I went into it uh, with that in mind and trying to think of ideas. And it was um, it was Christmas morning uh, a few years ago, uh, and I and I was terribly sick. Um, I had, uh, I, I have kids at home, so being sick on Christmas is just, uh, unacceptable. Um, so, yeah, really? uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I ran to the nearest, uh, uh, 20 to not 24 hour Walgreens, but Walgreens that never closes. So 24 hours, I guess, 365, right, uh, right. got, uh, the most powerful cold medicine I could find, <laughs> uh, took more than I should have. Um, and yeah, I, I just, you know, on the drive over to my in-laws, which I was, I guess that's the anger part. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I kind of came, I came up with a waste of space, you know, uh, uh, which uh, really a lot of it and not, not a whole lot has changed, uh, since that initial inception, you know, it was kind of like this lightning bolt moment and, um, you know, there it was. Now I, I got uh, when I heard uh, uh, the anger part, I thought was sort of you 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 have certain thematic targets in the story that you kind of take shots at. Uh, I was I was wondering if sort of current events or something uh, outside of your 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 uh, your personal circle might have uh, been uh, the cause of the anger. Yeah, for sure. I mean, on, on, a, on a nuts and bolts, like day to day writing basis, like absolutely. You know, the book is meant to be. You know, Billy. Bane, the the protagonist of the story is is meant to be an angry person right. um and it's it's a lot of like funneling yeah the anger of you know modern life into this into the story um and that's part of what i meant by like the grab readers by the lapels kind of thing you know i feel like when comics tries to be uh cultural or political uh as well intentioned as they are that they're they're just always so kind of picking low-hanging fruit right. um and reaffirming what people most likely already assume. And I didn't want to do that. You know, I didn't want to just say things that I think this is a line that Billy uses in the book, but like things that are clearly obviously bad, uh, saying those things are bad. <laughs> like, right. I don't, I don't think that's doing anything. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, like just saying like, Oh, uh, racism is bad. You know, it's like, well, most people know that, you know, even, you know, that's, to, to go on a slight tangent, I mean, that's why, like, Get Out is such a brilliant movie, because it doesn't say, like, racism is bad. It shows how racism yeah. works and why it's bad, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, Show, don't tell. So I think, right, right, exactly. So I think, like, a lot of these, a lot of the comics I read are just kind of, you know, wagging a finger, saying really obvious, low-hanging stuff. And I wanted, you know, waste of space to kind of... Uh, be beyond that and uh, i don't always agree with things that billy says i don't always agree with things that happen but uh i don't want i never have been afraid or want to be afraid to to rattle cages and to um and to get people hopefully to to think about some of the things that we automatically assume yeah and billy as a character is coming from uh, a, a a former state of great idealism and faith in the in 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 the Almighty and in uh, the humanity in general, and there's nobody more embittered and angry than someone who's d disillusioned. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, but the, I don't want to, the the listeners to get the impression that this isn't a lot of fun too, because it really it's not like you beat people over the head with any of your themes. It's it's all 
uh, in the spirit of a really wild, uh, humorous space opera, basically. Yeah, well, that's the thing, too, like tying into the you know, earlier point. You know, I feel like writers, you know, again, going in comics and, you know, just being really candid, I feel like they've let theme dictate story and yeah. not story dictate theme. Yeah. So, like, in that finger pointy, that finger wagging, you know, it's like that's the story, <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> right. Uh, there's a reason why Bradbury has lasted 60 years, why, why people still write, read Fahrenheit 451s, because, yes, it has a tremendous message about censorship and dystopias and, and, and all sorts of other things, but it's a great story. It's a thriller. Like that is a, that Fahrenheit 451 is is an absolute page turner. Yeah, uh, and I can think of other Kurt Vonnegut, all these other you know sci-fi writers that tackle really big themes, but they they at least have the courtesy to give us a story too. You know, yeah, yeah. And uh, I wanted Waste of Space to be fun. You know, yes, it's it, it is an angry book, and yes, it is like meant to rail cages, and it's meant to tackle big ideas and big themes. But like, I want it to also just to be read as as a fun. Uh, adventurous romp at the same time so you can you know have you know two sides of that coin and not be you know overwhelmed uh, or, or smothered by either one yeah yeah well it's certainly a lot of fun there's there uh it's interesting though that a lot of that comes through in the rendering and you know i i when when working with the sound designer she didn't quite get it first how comic it was you know how humorous it was working just from the script but as it as the performances started to come in and the timing started to develop, and uh, this is the graphic audio production I'm talking about now, of course, it what I wanted to get at, I guess, basically, is an equivalence for you guys was when when Hayden started working on the project, did things come forward in the humor or other elements of the story that you didn't anticipate? I don't know what you were anticipating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I should have directed that question at somebody specifically. But 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 uh, well, let's let's approach it from uh, Hayden's perspective. When you got the scripts, uh, and I, I know from looking at the scripts myself uh, originally that that Michael left a lot of room for you to interpret, and uh, he wasn't mm-hmm. he he didn't map out everything you know uh, panel by panel the way I've seen some scripts go. Uh, so, so when you got the scripts, uh, what did you think? Oh, shoot. I mean, the first script, I remember like, I think I'd already signed on for the book, like off of the premise and everything. And when I got the first script, I mean, immediately I was in love, but on top of that, it also, it sparked to mind, uh, on top of everything that Mike has already brought up, um, books like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right. Like there certain amount of absurdity to everything as well like <laughs> the drug dealer that he talks to the like the random people that are off hunting other people for things <laughs> like there's all sorts of chaos and uh mild lunacy that happens throughout it and in the art as a result of that like i didn't want to i wanted to give in the art as much of an accurate interpretation of what i was really like seeing in my head and experiencing reading that script that there was just like but it's 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 chaos a little bit. It's a little bit Looney Tunes and a little bit preacher. Um, I think that's great about it, and I want to like drive some of that home. The kineticism, uh, the sort of the weird things that will happen even in the background of panels uh, to just add the vibrancy and life of uh, everything that's going on here. Cause it just drives Billy up the wall, and anything that makes him more mad <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at yeah, the yeah. end of the day works out for the better. So. Not, That's a lot of fun. 
did you guys discuss character design a lot before before you started committing things, or or, or what was the story on that? Uh, not really. Um, when it came time to finally start making the first issue, I just I sat down and I think I just I didn't even go through a lot of character designs for each character. Uh, sometimes I'll go through three or four at least, but. With these guys, I like the script was so distinct and felt so well realized, and the voices of the character were characters were each so, I guess, just resolved to the point where when I was drawing them, it felt like this is who this person is. Like when I drew Billy, I drew him once, and I was like, that's Billy. Uh, and then same thing for Dust and Molly, um, and Legion as well. Uh, Legion didn't take long either. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's the script when I'm working with such distinct writing. It it doesn't take very long. Now, Michael, were you surprised by things when they come ba came back to you? Um, the one thing I was surprised by, I think, I think Hayden and I have talked about this. Like, um, I remember uh, in the script, I wrote that that Legion was like was like huge, like this, you know, huge red, towering like god figure, right? Uh, and Hayden made him like. I was thinking like eight to ten feet. I think Hayden dropped it like twenty, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. Uh, this works. This works better. Like it's amazing. I don't know how yeah. we're gonna make him appear place. <laughs> he's like a big as a building, but but whatever. It's awesome. <laughs> well, well, uh, the great comic art always plays with scale and 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 for uh, um, uh, perspective, and uh, so that that you know that's perfect as far as I I can tell. Um, so well, let's let's talk a little bit about the characters because you guys brought them up. I mean, we really have three uh, a core of three characters that are our, our main protagonists. I mean, Billy is the center, uh, but but you mentioned Dust and you mentioned uh, Molly. Uh, uh, Michael, you want to talk about the characters a little bit? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think we touched on Billy a little. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a uh, you know the. He was the voice of the creator, and it all went bad. You know, he said, like, disillusioned. Um, Dust is uh, Billy's best friend. Uh, Dust is a, um, is, you know, because, you know, F-U-Q. He's a, he's a, he's a fuck bot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mixed with a Q Q I L a kill bot. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's, he's human by all appearances, except he's blue. Um and uh like i said yeah he's billy's best friend kind of billy billy's conscious and, and billy's source of empathy uh and reason um and molly is similar to billy like Ma Ma uh, billy has the power to be uh the voice of of the creator and she's she's the vision she you know billy is about you know telling things and conveying things and, and Molly's about seeing things. Right. Uh, and she's a person who's lived a very, you know, sheltered life because her powers have been exploited, uh, for, for gain, uh, that has nothing to do with what they're supposed to be used for. Uh, and she breaks free of that and find Bill finds Billy, uh, her, her kind of counterpart. Uh, and they, they embark on their, their, their mission to, um, I don't know if I'm supposed to reveal, but do, do what I, they're supposed to do. Yeah, I know. It's, it's always hard to dance around, uh, spoilers, uh, with something like this, but we're doing, you're doing good so far. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, well now you come from, uh, you, you are, were you a novelist before you turned to comics or did it work the other way around or was it like all at the same time kind of thing? I was. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of the timeline. Yeah, because Black Star Renegades was your was your breakout uh, 
novel, right? Your space uh, adventure. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think that I was kind of working on the both concurrently because I had been working on prose before that with with not uh, any any luck or success. Sure. Um, and I've been working on comics before that too, but Black Star. I think they both they were just overlapped. I think in terms of those two okay. specific books. Okay. So you ne- you're not you don't consider yourself a novelist first or a comics writer first or it's all part of the same package basically. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, I, I don't really kind of. I mean, I distinguish the two because they're much different jobs. But oh, yeah. I don't. I don't kind of uh, call myself one or the other. Right. So, but there wasn't any adjustment period from moving from one to the other. Uh, I, it, in it, in the past, I've worked with comics artists who attempted novels for the first time and found it a daunting task, and vice versa. Uh, that it is, as you say, so different. Um, you want to talk a little bit about writing for comics uh, as opposed to to writing a novel? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, you're right. It's definitely way different. Um, it's a different set of muscles that you're that you're uh, uh, calling on. But um, you know, I mean, the biggest thing is the collaboration. You know, comics is a collaborative medium uh, yeah. from artist to colorist and stuff, editor, uh, and you still have an editorial with, with a novel. But with a novel, like it's. Um, the right, you know, when you're writing a script, you're just writing more or less like instructions. It's just, it's kind of like this is what happens, this is what happens. Um, so in terms of like prose and language, the muscle of language, like you don't really use that in comics because like y- nobody else is reading those descriptions, but you know, like Hayden, you know. Right. Um, whereas prose, it's all kind of like that's what's going to be read uh, and, and manipulating language and, and deploying language as, a, as an art and as the as the tool of storytelling is is far far more different mm-hmm. um but the collaboration is pretty huge like having working with a team as opposed to like uh working more or less solo right um and working in chunks you know uh, uh, comics come out you know 20 ish pages at a time where, where i write a book you know i i go off and write a book <laughs> um, <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, nobody really wants to see it, you know, except for like maybe the beginning, like the first couple chapters. But, you know, you just kind of go off and you go you go do it and then you come back when it's done. Now, uh, the two guys at Vault Comics that you both uh, are, are, are uh, dealing with and uh, are Adrian and Damien Wassel, the editor and publishers. Um, did they contribute a lot to I mean, how was what was your relationship with them? You talked about earlier that that you felt that you that that you weren't seeing the kind of stuff you wanted to write in other publishers so i'm thinking that maybe vault was the place to do it um you want to talk about adrian damien and your relationship with them work on, in a working environment yeah uh i could you want to go first hayden or uh yeah i guess i'll go first because i don't have yeah uh, I know do you, it. you work more actively with uh with adrian on the scripts and everything whereas my like my relationship with like with them in like a working capacity is like I get the script and then I draw all of that out. I send it in and then like there isn't a whole lot of back and forth at that stage. But okay. the the most incredible thing is the environment that they build. It's just so supportive and like yeah, like do that, do more of that. Like Legion's huge, yeah. Like uh, and encouraging us to make like like we made a holiday special and like making a giant weird kind oh, of yeah. sexy Emerald City Con uh, and like just weird weird things that they're totally game to do so uh, they're a joy to work with but, that's cool yeah. is this the first thing that uh, you did for them? Um, yep yeah uh, they actually they reached out like I want to say a month or so before I graduated 
Um, but yeah, and I nice. hope to keep working. How, how far back do you go with them, Michael? Um, not much farther than Hayden. Wasted Space was the first thing, my first vault uh, project. Um, you know, I've, 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 I am doing right now in the middle of two other series, the uh, the plot and mall. But um, right. Wasted Space predates all those and eat from eat from the ground up. Yeah, they're great. I mean, Damien, uh, I don't. Uh, I consider both of them friends, really, really good friends. Right. Um, they're they're in, they're wonderful in so many ways. I deal with Damien less because Damien's, uh, you know, they they're 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 such a wonderful pair because they they complement each other so well. Damien's the right. business side and, and Adrian's the creative side. So I deal with adrian uh, a lot more uh in our working day to day um but adrian is great i, I don't think i've had a better compliment uh, as an editor because he really understands what at least for me in my experience what i'm doing he understands like where to push and where to nudge yeah. and, and how to make things better always and he's always pushing like hayden says you know he's you know there's been times where i haven't wanted to go to certain places like we said in the, the, the cage rattling aspect of waste of space and yeah. um he's always you know he's the guy who's saying turn it up to 11 you know <laughs> and really go if you're gonna go for it then then earnestly go for it and um yeah he's made choices that have just made the book better at every turn and uh we're, we're lucky to have him now, if, uh, in adapting the material for graphic audio, I got a, uh, a hold of a couple of scripts that, that had some of his commentary on it. And it was interesting. It was a lot of fun to see where it started from. And, and or, or uh, I, I basically, I, I got a copy of the script that had the changes in it, but the notes uh, that, that affected the change. And to see how that manifested in the artwork or in the process was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, something that 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 the the uh, you know the the usual final um, uh, customer doesn't get to see uh, the all the different creative input that goes into producing these things. Yeah, it's cool because and it's like now it's just like such a well-oiled machine, yeah, you know, like. Yeah. Um, We've got so much established. We did a lot of hey, um, Hayden and, and Adrian and I did a lot of heavy lifting at the beginning. Uh, we especially, you know, Adrian and I sat and really mapped a lot out and figured out a lot out. So those early scripts especially have a lot more input. I mean, Adrian's still very much present uh, um, in the book, uh, but a lot of a lot of dis important decisions were made early on because we had such a good vision for the book that um, you know that I had that Adrian totally understood mm -hmm. and knew how to how to form so we we were able to get so much uh such a good foundation under our feet um very early one of the cool things you're obviously both incredibly versed in and other genre material uh, it one of the other fun things is little notations where you would uh where michael would say would make a reference to a, a star wars character or something so you use the space opera and sci-fi tropes in a very shorthand way because you don't need to explain a lot of these things uh, uh, to the you know when you when you've got um an emperor <laughs> uh, uh, and and other uh, conventions that are part of a galactic empire type of thing, you don't need a, to spend a whole lot of time setting things up. The, the the audience is already primed and ready to know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the way I approach that kind of stuff, like it's, um, I'm kind of loath to use the word Easter egg. Uh, I feel like everybody, yeah. everything's an Easter egg now. Yeah, it's like that's true. <laughs> texture. <laughs> 
te- you know, background texture uh, and world building is not that's an Easter egg is not the same anyway. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's like I feel like it's sort of Easter eggish, or like you say, like it's uh, it's more shorthand. Mm-hmm. I like to like use build in those references and build in like those like kind of like nods, where like if you get it, if you see, if you recognize it, you get it. Right. If you don't recognize it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect, it doesn't affect the, the story at all. Although I think that Hayden's put in Easter eggs that even I don't know about. <laughs> I don't know. I was just thinking about that because uh, like, I see these things in your script and we bring them in. And then uh, like if I have a background to fill out, like uh, there's an issue where they go into a shop or something. They're trying to like win over the shopkeeper. Right. And like, going more so on that, like, that level of... Uh, it's kind of like a love letter when you get to bring things in and it's like just to like a little send off to the genre like oh i love this thing i'm going to put it in here and i think like for that scene in particular i put um dilithium crystals for sale in the bag as well <laughs> like uh shoot i might hope i don't get it wrong it's like the, the hyperdrive from uh phantom menace that they like take out and are repairing they're like both in the back um that's great so it's just fun putting those things in there. But like people recognize them, great. And if not, then at least sure. I know they're there. Yeah, you're gonna. Have, <laughs> if you're gonna have background anyway, why not make it significant in some way? Yeah. <laughs> That's great. One of the things that I, I loved was uh, the way that the story messes with tropes and defies expectations that, you know, you you sort of feel like you know where the story's going and it seems like uh, it takes a left turn or it or it derails before it turns into melodrama. Um, that to me is one of the great successes of the of the storytelling is is the, the funny turns, the way it plays with expectations. Yeah, I think one of the things, and I think Kate and I have talked about this, um, like one of the things that like really I wanted, um, like when I come to sci-fi, it's weird because I, I, I'm ostensibly a sci-fi fan. I do love sci-fi. But really, when I come to sci-fi, like I love Star Wars yeah. and a few other things, and that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not a hard science kind of science fiction guy. No, no, and I've tried reading those books, and 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 I appreciate them, and sometimes I even enjoy them, but like I also find them painful, like of like <laughs> all the world building and all the details that you're like, like you're kind of clawing away these these things of like here's, you know, like there, there's spent so much time explaining like how the body responds in zero g and what what that's like and the weight and the mass, and you you forget where where you're even going, you know, like <laughs> right. <laughs> So, like, I made a point to be like, I don't care about the world. I don't care. Like, there's worlds that are inhabited, and there's weird aliens all over the place. And we're really not going to bother about that. We're not going to worry about that. And I think that the freedom, like you said, of defying expectations to be like, um, we're not we're not going to put a premium on the things that, like, sci-fi tends to put a premium on. We're going to put a premium on, premium on fun and adventure and rattling cages and doing those things that I think that Wasted Space does best. Uh, and also, like, because there's a certain amount of nihilism to it, um, you know, at the end of issue five, something, like, pretty shocking happens. And it was such a good moment because I didn't even realize when when, a- a- when that thing happens and AJ read that script, he's like, holy shit, like, this happened. <laughs> I was like, I didn't think it was a big idea because, like, I don't care. I, didn't, I never cared about that guy. <laughs> like, it doesn't, that never right. matter. Right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, to to that point of like the sort of sci-fi that that doesn't have like a a world guide or a defined rule set. Like as much as I love things like Star Trek, where everything's got its like everything's got its system and its order. 
I'm also coming from like uh, like raised on Star Wars and Alien and stuff, and those are like two of the sci-fi franchises I can think of that have the least grounding in any sort of science whatsoever. Sure. sure. And I feel like there's so much, so much liberation in that. Also, getting to draw like, like I don't know, I can put a weird thing on Billy's chest, and in my head I'm like, maybe it has something to do with oxygen or something. And then I think <laughs> right. in one issue, what was it like? Mike turned it into like it carries drugs or something. I was like, sure, it's that now. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That that dovetails right into the question I was going to ask: is when when Michael, when you start getting issues back coming back to you, how does that inform your writing in future? Uh, once you see what you know what what Hayden's been doing, does that affect? Uh, I mean, obviously, you just mentioned a case where it did, but uh, did you find yourself writing to the art after a certain point? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, once you form a relationship, uh, and we're lucky, Hayden and I are lucky to to have an extended relationship. You know, Wasted Space is going to go... Yeah. 25, yeah, 25 <laughs> issues, which is rare, which is really rare for an indie comic, and we're very lucky. Yeah. Um, that we... we, we we formed, we have forged uh, a good relationship, and like I know what to expect uh, of Hayden. I know how he's going to approach things. So I think as I'm writing, like not only am I writing to like things that he likes and things that he's good at, but I also kind of writing to like I know what Hayden can do, yeah. um, and where to leave the blanks that he'll fill in, and all sorts of stuff like that. So definitely from our from our relationship and our time together, like I think we've evolved into a, a better pair, uh, which has been. Which has been great. It was one of the most satisfying things that you could ever ask for. Yeah, I agree completely. Michael, you've you have written with other writers before. In fact, one of the current horror titles you're working on, the plot, is a collaboration, isn't it? Right. Yeah, I'm writing it um, with uh, Tim Daniel, um, who we've written two other uh, horror comics uh, together as well, uh, Curse and burning fields. Now, I, that's always interesting to me. What is that process like? Is it a back and forth between the two of you or um it changes a lot. Mm -hmm. Um like Tim and I have I think we've had almost different process, process on both books uh depending on you know which one of us is is busy at the moment, you know, that that you know these projects go on for such a long time. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's a lot of back and forth. It's a lot of us, you know, kind of on the phone and figuring you know this out and that out and then how we're going to execute it uh but it's it's you know like like i mentioned with comic art it's a collaboration and uh you know we we, we figure out scripts we 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 um um share the scripts with or i'm sorry we we share an outline we break you know take the outline into pieces where tim will write this and i'll write that and then we're going over each other's work so we try to make it as seamless as possible you know, I, I was i was talking the other day i read our first book curse i was like uh, flipping through it because we just got the new uh, just got translated into Italian so I got a you know kind of refresher to, to you know remind me to about this book and I was looking right. at it and I honestly don't remember what Tim wrote and what I wrote I, I just I don't I don't even know at this point <laughs> that's interesting both of you guys have projects multiple projects or plates spinning at the same time uh, how do you juggle that kind of stuff how do you stay focused on on the task at hand no, yeah. I want Hayden to go because I don't know yeah. how he does so many how many books. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, as to how, um, it's interesting because I got my start while I was still in school. So yeah. initially, it was that um, I was balancing books alongside books. It was I was balancing like a book alongside class. Yeah. Um, so I I 
kind of got first into into this job in a way where I was having to consider speed. Like the the materials are affordable enough. The only thing you don't really have is time. Um, right. So going into that, like I would be coming back from class late, and then I'd make like pencil uh, two pages, ink as much as I could, and then you know whatever needed to be done to hit deadlines. Um, and then coming out of that, uh, by the end of by the time I graduated, working on two books alongside school, uh, speed just became all the more something that I was trying to cut corners wherever I could, basically. Yeah. Uh, but the result of that is, after so much time, now I can make uh, about pencil and ink two pages a day, uh, which is that's kind of my average that I shoot for. It's a comfortable uh, speed for me to go at. And then if I need to, I can jump up to four pages a day. Um, wow. Whatever, once again, whatever needs, whatever will hit the deadline for the books I'm working on. Uh, just recently, I finished up a five-issue series with uh, Image called Thumbs uh, that I've been working on since graduation as well. And up the Mary Shelley Monster Hunter book with uh, Aftershock, which was also five issues. So for a while there, I was making something like... 60, 50 to 60 pages a month. Um, Man. Just a matter of keeping going. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> nice, pretty nice to have all these jobs already in motion when you graduate. I think that's a, that's the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, yeah I'm very, very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> so now you were, but we, we uh, Michael, we had a, Hayden and I had a chance to chat a little bit before you came on. And uh, he was telling me that you guys sort of take a little mini hiatus every five issues or so, so and and sort of like clear the decks for a little while uh, uh, before you move on to the next uh, story arc. Yeah, um, we usually, you know, it's usually like five issues, and then after the five issues, we'll go and like kind of just take a little bit of a break and do something else. Particularly Hayden, who's who's juggling, you know, yeah. the demands on his time are much more strenuous than me. Um, but yeah, so we take a little time. We're able to kind of, you know, refocus. Like, while I know what every arc is, you know, uh, so there's, what, five arcs. We just finished the third. Uh, okay. And I know what every arc is going in. I don't really kind of know how that story is going to unfold. So I kind of need time to, to write the five issues. Right. That I, you know, finish the five issues, then take a step back and think about how, you know, to execute the next five. Right. Um, so it's a good chance to recharge. Yeah. Now, I should say that the graphic audio version of Wasted Space collects the first 10 issues. Uh, we're projecting to uh, put the, the final 15 when they are completed. Uh, so hopefully that, that'll be coming in a, in a while. Oh, one question I did uh, want to ask Hayden is, um, do you find you, yourself uh, adjusting your art style to the tone of the piece? I guess you, you would have to, but did the tone of Wasted Space cause you to modify your style or, or go for or something different than you might have with other titles? Uh, yeah, definitely in, in little ways. It's not vastly noticeable. Um, like that time when I was working on uh, Mary Shelley and Thumbs and Wasted Space all together, I had, honestly, between the three of them, various ways of working on each of them. This mm -hmm. uh, kind of helps me get into headspace as well for... So I know I'm switching gears, like, I'm now on this story, drawing these characters. Right. Um, and for Wasted Space, uh, I've changed it for the arcs going forward. For the first uh, 10 issues, it was the the entire thing would be drawn at the same size that it was printed. Um, hmm. 
well done in brush and I wouldn't be afraid to get a little cartoony. Uh, right, like, right. Whereas with other books, uh, I try to uh, keep things um, relatively like, I guess, like normal, even keel, um, slow graphic, but uh, a little bit more traditional. With Wasted Space, I'm not afraid to let like characters' eyes just be like little black dots. Yeah. Uh, or like, I think there's a scene where like, when Dusk gets angry at Billy at some point, he just becomes like an angry black mass. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, there's definitely a lot more liberty and freedom that comes with it. Uh, that, and that works to great effect for the comedy a lot of the time. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, but, and it's an interesting contrast with a lot of the other detailed work that, I, that I've seen you do. I, I was getting like a Howard Chaikin vibe from some of your artwork. Does that mean anything to you? Do you... Uh, oh. Yeah, uh, trying to think. I haven't read uh, a ridiculous amount of his work, but definitely familiar. I mean, a lot of the um, the touchstones that I think of uh, in working on Wasted Space is the work of artists like uh, Cam Kennedy. Okay. Uh, oh, Philippe Durier, which he's not as cartoony, but just like these people that are just doing weird things. Mike Mc Mike McMahon. Um, that aren't afraid to like stretch proportions and cartoon and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Mike, Michael, you gave us some indication of authors that you've read. What would you say your your influences are? Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. Howard Shaken is a big one. <laughs> oh, really? That's cool. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, I love American Flag. I think oh, it's, yeah. uh, it's just way ahead of its time. Uh, smart sci-fi that's just fun and cool and acerbic. Uh, but that that was a big one. And I think, and I agree, Hayden is very very shaken ass like shaken mixed with like uh another influence weirdly was uh frank miller's ronin oh yeah um, yeah i could see that yeah like stylistically it it, it shares some dna th thanks to hayden um preacher was was a big one was an influence for sure sure garth ennis yeah oh yeah yeah uh and, and star wars i think of star wars like just that you know, going back to our sci-fi conversation, I, I always yeah. go back to thinking Star Wars is just, kind of, you know, it's just kind of fantasy in space. It's not really sci-fi. No, you know? no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, so it's, like that's... Now, sorry, you, I, you've actually got to write a little Star Wars, didn't you? I mean, didn't you... Uh, uh, for one of the publisher, who who's doing Star Wars these days? I've lost track in the comics. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, uh, IDW. I write the uh, okay. kids. I, I wrote a, a small graphic novel. I was collecting a graphic novel, and I'm writing, like, ongoing. I'm writing starting in this month, maybe. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> when the first issue comes out. Gotcha. But, gotcha. Uh, I'm on it for a while right now. That that's got to be an interesting. Uh, I mean, you've worked on a lot of properties that are you know that that uh, had to have been part of your your childhood. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. I mean, doing. I mean, I think I've read somewhere that you were a big Superman fan. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I love Superman. I mean, it's no, it's no Star Wars. Nothing. Uh, yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> but I do love Superman, and I love that I got to crack Superman for. Um, I wrote one that got published. I have a few more coming out. I, oh, similarly to um, Star Wars, um, I don't know when. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At some point, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird, you know, comics move so fast and so slow where it's like you write it and everybody wants it fast and you do it and it's great. Um, but you're doing, you're juggling so much and then, then it goes off and gets drawn and edited and et cetera. Then you're like, is that, did that happen? Did yeah, I you forgot that? about it. Is it coming out? I don't even, <laughs> where am I? It's all a blur. Yeah. 
I can yeah. understand that. I, I got to say, what are the titles that jumped out at me? Uh, just because the mashup of it, where everything's a mashup nowadays, and 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 wasted space is is, is, a, is a kind of a mashup of things. Um, but the idea of Archie meeting Batman. Uh, oh yeah. Wasn't <laughs> just for the heck of it. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, how did that happen? What was the? I mean, I know Archie's doing all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, you know, has been for quite a while now. Uh, so just about anything is possible. But how did you get that particular uh, job? <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, Archie met the predator. So anything's on the table, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Um, it's it, weird because I thought the same thing. But when they're like, uh, when Archie had told me it was, it was the adam west batman oh, and right. the vintage batman. archie not the right so i was like oh that makes sense they both they both have a very similar uh tone a 60s um, vibe yeah totally yeah yeah so um it was weird because I, I i don't know that i would be an automatic fit for it i i, I learned a lot so i co-wrote that with jeff parker who'd written batman 66 forever and oh, he's okay absolutely perfect for that job he's perfect for many jobs jeff is brilliant um but um yeah i i was writing something else with archie that ended up getting canceled uh that's a whole long yeah. sad story but um so basically you know i was kind of out of work uh through no, through no faults of my own and archie was was great about every single thing that happened and eventually they're like hey we've got this other book uh do you want to co-write with jeff and uh it, it sounded after I wrapped my head around it, uh, it sounded super fun, and, and I love Jeff, and I love his work, and Dan Parent drew it, and Jay Bone was Ill, uh, uh, inking, and it was just, you know, uh, so such a job that you know I c couldn't pass up, and it was it was just fun. It was just a fun book, you know, and I think you know people had fun reading it, and that was the total point. What what is it like to hear your your work translated to another medium, like? Um, uh, Obviously, case in point, Graphic Audio's version of Wasted Space. But I don't know. Have you had other? I know that you've probably got deals in motion and things you can't talk about. But have you have you heard your material interpreted in another media before uh, seen uh, your material elsewhere? I've only gotten so far as the pi uh, of a of a pilot script stage. Okay. Um, okay. So I've read, I've read some pilot scripts of of my material. Some are still in play. Some are not <laughs> um gotcha but uh it's pretty thrilling you know i i you know i i have lo i love the graphic audio adaptation i think it's i think it's just such a f captures the spirit and the fun and oh, i think good. that's the only thing i really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think it's the only thing i expect you know i just want it to be be true to the spirit of what uh, the work that i had done you know like i don't yeah. i don't i don't expect it to be a verbatim translation i don't expect all the characters whatever just you know yeah i've seen i've seen adaptations that's like has nothing to do with the source material I'm like why did you even right call it? <laughs> like you could you didn't have to call it that you know yeah. like yeah, yeah um and uh often choice oftentimes those adaptations make make the wrong choices in my opinion mm -hmm. so yeah as long as you're true to the core of what the what the thing is uh i'm happy and i've i'm lucky to have that experience um and uh, yeah, I've loved I've loved every opportunity I've had to to go down this path. 
Yeah, well, it, one of the things that we definitely try to do with our uh, adaptations from graphic novels is is not to veer from what's on the page. You know, we have there's a lot of gaps to be filled or things to be explained or depth to add uh, since you're dealing with strictly audio, obviously. But we don't we try not to change any, anything. Sometimes there's some wiggle room in interpretation, obviously, and certainly casting and and performances are going to be you know subject to interpretation, and may not be exactly what the creator envisioned uh, a character would sound like. But I was I was very happy with the performances we got. I thought we got uh, some really strong stuff out of our crew. Yeah, they're great. Uh, yeah, thinking about like the accuracy and everything because it is. A- phenomenal like in, i've listened to uh some of the issues of the, the recording along with actually having like the issue out in front of me and like yeah. flipping through it as hearing it because it's just it's so like the backgrounds that i'm just like drawing are being filled out to life within like in the uh the audio itself like the the rumbling of conversation in a bar or right all sorts of other things and it's just uh, i mean it's a blast as well as hearing um like dialogue delivered because as I'm as I'm reading the script, I'm certain uh, in your head, Mike. It must like like there's a delivery to it and a cadence, and uh, that definitely carries through within the script itself. Where I'm like I'm reading it and I'm feeling my way through it and like about how a character would say it. And there's a certain amount of acting that goes into it there. Yeah. But, like part of the delivery is the most important part to encapsulate what he's saying here or what they're doing uh, or what emotion could I add to that to kind of flip it a little bit or bring out another aspect? And I feel like the the actors are doing an incredible job of that same exact thing. Cool. Well, that's what we want to hear. <laughs> well, I guess we have taken enough of your time, gentlemen. Um, uh, did, was there anything that, that we didn't cover that you think we should? Or is there anything you want to plug in particular before we wrap up? No, no, I just, I'm, I personally, I'm, I'm glad people are seem to be enjoying the adaptation. I hope, yeah. I, I hope, you know, more people, you know, try it out. And uh, yeah, we've worked on, like I said, working on the plot, the mall for, for, for vaults and uh, have other projects uh, coming soon. Excellent. How about you, Hayden? Yeah. Uh, I think, I'm trying to think. I plugged the things I wanted to plug. Uh, well, <laughs> t- what is, um, what is thumbs? Um, you just, you just wrap thumbs. Oh. Oh, yeah, okay. So, let's see. Thumbs is an image series, uh, kind of a 50 to 75 years in the future, maybe, kind of ambiguously. Okay. um, Where all sorts of sort of technological mayhem is starting to break loose on a social side. Um, Insofar as uh, babysitting apps going uh, a bit wrong, the disenfranchised youth getting kind of, uh, I want to say almost like ushered into this uh, sort of technological lifestyle that is at odds with other trends that are rising within the society. A sort of resistance meets uh, fascistic government, uh, no tech versus people that are all about using technology and talking yeah. about some of the the things that we see in our current day and age as a result of tech, whether for good or for bad, or whether it's all on the, the side of the tech or the side of the people. Um, Sean writes it incredibly. <laughs> so wow. he could pitch it better than I can, but it's it's a great book. Um, and then Mary Shelley, Monster Hunter, which is uh, Mary Shelley, the author, but what if 
she actually lived through the events that she wrote about, which is, oh. uh, it's fun. It's spooky. It's perfect for the month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that sounds awesome. And uh, addressing the graphic audience now, I would say that uh, if you've listened to Wasted Space, there's still a lot of entertainment value to going back to the print version and uh, even doing what Hayden talked about, reading along. Uh, people have done that with other adaptations we've done in the past. And you get to see how faithful we are. You get to see what, uh, what the source material is. And, uh, and you get a visual, you know, uh, which, which while we try, you know, what our, our selling point is that we, you know, we give you a visual in your mind. It's still kind of fun to see how the, the literal visual matches up with the audio. So I do recommend it. And I want to thank you guys. Thank you, Michael Morisi. And thank you, Hayden Sherman, for joining us today. Yeah, thank here. you for having us. It is a, it was definitely a pleasure to be here. This was a lot of fun, and thanks for uh, Graphic Audio for uh, you know bringing this book to life. It's been it's 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 awesome. I, I I've loved it. So yeah, we'll, can't wait to see the rest. Really great. Well, thanks guys, and thank you all for listening to All in Your Mind. All in your mind. <laughs>